Listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 brings you Answering the Call, offering a glimpse into the spiritual journeys of local priests, deacons, and religious. And now, Answering the Call with Elizabeth Piccicelli. Hi there. Thanks for joining us on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820 and streaming to you on stgabrielradio.com. I'm Elizabeth Piccicelli, and my guest today is someone you may have heard on Dominican Dimensions. It, that is one of the many local programs we produce here at St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. His name is Father Stephen Alcott. He's the new pastor down at St. Patrick's Parish in Columbus. And despite feeling a little bit under the weather today, Father has graciously accepted the invitation to share his vocation story with us. So thank you for joining us, Father. It's good to see you today. You're very welcome, Elizabeth. And, you know, I always like to start, Father, by having my guest uh, begin telling us where he's from and just a little bit about his family. I was born in Northern Virginia, um, grew up mostly in Maryland, so the Washington, D.C. area. I came from a, a good Catholic family. I have um, three brothers and two sisters, and I'm a very prolific uncle. I now have 14 nieces and nephews. Wow, good. And uh, two wonderful parents, um, and... and uh, it's it's great to be part of a of a family that's that's so big. You always had something to do, but it was it was it's always and continues to be a great a great support for my life and my priesthood. So you lived out that Catholic fa- faith as a family in regular mass attendance that whole bit. Yes, we went to mass every Sunday. We, um, in fact, as kids, we went to our Saturday evening vigil mass an hour early because my parents were singing in the folk choir. Hmm. So. We learned all the songs very well, and that helped me later in life as a Dominican to, to learn a little bit of singing so I can chant. That's a start early for you. That's awesome. And you went to public school, kindergarten through high school. Right, right. Um, we didn't have a Catholic school close enough or affordable enough for us in Maryland, so I, I went to public schools um, all the way up through through 12th grade. They were, they were good public schools, though, as mm-hmm. public schools go, um, but that left me with a desire to truly learn more about my Catholic faith towards the end, which is why I went to a Catholic college. Okay. So during those years, K through um, high school, your uh, sacramental preparation was done through CCD? And, right. And kind of thing. Okay. Right. So as you were, let's look at that block of your life, like kindergarten through maybe just as you were getting towards high school. Um, what were your childhood aspirations as you grew up? You know, what, what did you think about doing one day, you know, when you were all grown up? My number one goal was to become a pilot or to do something to do with airplanes. I loved airplanes ever since I was a kid. I would go to the library and get out books about airplanes. I would make model airplanes. My father um, was an aeronautical engineer who worked for a firm in Annapolis. So um, that was pretty clear uh, that, that that's what I wanted to do or something like that. And I understand you recently actually had a little uh, of your dream come true in yes. terms of airplanes. Yes. Um, in my previous parish, um, one of our prisoners um, has his own small uh, plane mm-hmm. that he uses for angel flight, which is a, a voluntary associate of pilots who transport um, patients who need special medical procedures or, or appointments far away from their home. So they volunteer their planes and their, and their fuel uh, and, their, and their own hours mm-hmm. to, to fly them there. And he wanted me to bless his plane. Oh, neat. So there is actually in the Book of Blessings, the Catholic Book of Blessings, a blessing for an airplane. So I'd never used it before and may never use it since, but I blessed his airplane. And I mentioned um, 
Your love and for a hopeful and a hopeful hint that I'd love to go <laughs> up in his flight sometime. And he says, "Oh, that'd be wonderful. I'd love to do that." So we arranged a time, and later uh, he took me up in his plane uh, over Charlottesville, and and he let me take the controls for a while. So it was my first time I ever got to fly a plane. Wow! Well, I can imagine if I was a pilot, I would love to have a priest join me on my flights. <laughs> I feel a little safer that way. But so that's awesome. So as a kid, you know, you're thinking of typical things. When I grew up, I want to be a pilot. Um, was there any thought at all, again, in that, say, kindergarten through through your junior high years, um, about the priesthood? Was that ever on the radar for you? Um, I remember one of my pastors when I was younger, growing up in Maryland, um, encouraged me to think about being a priest. Um, and I remember, actually, at my first communion mass, um, he said in his homily, um, we, need, we need priests. Uh, but whatever you do, do it well. It's better to be a good garbage man than a bad priest. Right? Yeah, <laughs> Somehow that stuck in my mind. But I remember when I was an altar server, when I was, I think, early in middle school, um, having a conversation with another server who I knew named Scott in the sacristy before Mass. And Scott said, Steve, do you think you'd ever want to be a priest? And I said, uh, no, I don't think I'd ever want to be a priest. And he said, well, why is that? And I said, well, look at Father. He has to go to Mass like five times every Sunday and <laughs> probably sits in the rectory with nothing to do all week. <laughs> You know, and and then uh, I said to Scott, well, what about you? Would you want to be a priest? And he said, it might not be so bad. And I said, well, why is that? He said, I want a new car like Father has. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny how the kids think like that, isn't it? So how about, um, beside your friends, you know, discussing priesthood, were there any adults in your growing up years who maybe planted any seeds of vocation for you? Um, I never had anyone in my family who was a priest. I, I did have... I might have had some distant relatives on my mom's side who were who was were priests, but I'd never ever met them and barely ever heard of them. Um, but I think it was pretty much just my own uh, pastor that 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 put that in my mind uh, until um, a very crucial moment for me in my vocation um, when I was in middle school. Uh, we had a CCD teacher, the father of a family, who one day in class um, told us that he prayed the rosary every evening with his family and that. He really encouraged us to try to do that too, and and I remembered that I'd gotten a rosary and a, and a rosary meditation book from my grandmother for my first communion. So I, I I dug it out and started praying just ten beads a night. Didn't want to overdo it after all, just ten beads a night. Mm-hmm. But I would read the little reflection, which is actually it's a wonderful prayer book written by a Trappist monk um, called Father Peyton's Rosary Prayer Book, and uh, and that really began for me uh, a self initiated prayer life. Before that, I would pray with my family. I'd go to Mass with my family, but I never really had my own prayers until then. And and that was kind of a, in hindsight, kind of a watershed moment. I've never met my teacher again. He moved away long before I really started seriously thinking about the priesthood, but I've always wanted to thank him if I could, yeah. you know, for, for that very simple witness in a CCD class. And right. he probably looks back and thinks, well... All I did was pretty much babysit those unruly, unruly middle schoolers. Right. And it was that's a great example. It's just a simple, you should try this. You know, yeah. it wasn't a big, long, you know, theological argument or about the rosary. It was just this, you should try it too. And you mm-hmm. took that opportunity, as you say, to pray for the first time on your own, you know, yep. on your own volition. So that's beautiful. So did that kind of get you to start thinking about what did you want to do with your life? I mean, did that have an impact then longer term to where do we go from here? Yes, um, I was always very good, a very good student, and I knew I wanted to go to college. And so when I got into high school, I started thinking, well, what college would I want to apply to? What college would I want to go to? And I realized I should have some idea of what I want to do after I graduate, so I'd know what 
college would have the best program for for my future career. So up to that point, I'd been thinking very much about being a pilot or being an engineer that worked on airplanes like mm-hmm. my dad. But then I was beginning to think, um, especially now once I'd started praying, that a good life would be a life to really do something significant, to really help other people with something that's really important. I thought it could be a great thing to be a good pilot, to help people safely get from one city to another. Um, mm-hmm. It could be a great thing to be a good engineer, to help make planes safer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it could be a really great thing to help people come in touch with, to get closer in their relationship with God, who I was coming to realize should be at least the most important person in my life. So between that and then hearing about prayers for vocations in my parish, I really started to think seriously about about what that would be like to to pursue the priesthood. So, Did, it, did God give you any signs that priesthood might be the direction over, say, aeronautical engineering? Uh I never, uh, I don't know, I guess uh, for a while I was looking for a college that had a great aeronautics program and a great Catholic theology program, but I just couldn't find both them. Both and, right? <laughs> so <laughs> but figured, they don't exist. So. I had to go either or rather than both and. And I remember one day um, my brother worked in, a, in an amusement park a, a, in the summer as a summer job, and I was, um, I was giving him a ride home, and I was getting ready to leave the house to pick him up. And I just remember distinctly just really being anxious about um, – you know, what college I should apply to. I just, this happens so much when young people are destroying vocations. They think that everything hinges on this one moment and this one thing that they have to do. Um, I just said to God in prayer, you know, God, what do you want me to do? I just want to know. Either way, I'll be glad to follow. Do you want me to be a priest? And I didn't hear it with my ears, but I just felt it in myself that he said yes. And then I felt this immense peace. After this great anxiety, I felt this great peace wash over me. Um, and so that was an important, that was, I guess, the, the primary sign from God. Now, I, don't, I won't say that I didn't waffle a lot after that, you know, and, and, and rethink things and mm-hmm. go back and forth, but, but that was a, another like crucial a moment. Pivotal moment. Yes. We're talking with Father Stephen Alcott. He is the pastor of St. Patrick's uh, Parish down in Columbus. He's our guest today on Answering the Call here on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. And I'm your host, Elizabeth Ficicelli. So, Father, um, as you kind of came to that peaceful discernment that maybe at least you would try the direction of priesthood, where were your parents and friends with that idea? Were they cool with that, or did they not see this coming? Or, Well, um, I was a little reluctant to tell my parents. I wasn't sure how, how they would react. Finally, in, in later in high school, I told them I was seriously thinking about the priesthood. They were a little bit surprised, um, and I would say cautiously supportive. Uh, I think they wanted to make sure it wasn't a phase I was going through, and mm-hmm. a phase that could be very costly if I got a degree in theology and then not have a job at the end of it. Right. So, gotcha. uh, so they wanted to make sure that's what I really wanted. Um, but as they saw more and more that that's what I did want, they they became very supportive. So, so I'm very blessed for that that they that they did. And in terms of friends, um, I didn't have that many Catholic friends. Uh, some of my friends were non-Catholic in my public school, so I was. Very reluctant to tell them, but finally I kind of had to when, you know, when people are talking about what college you're going to, why are you going to this college? And so I started telling them that I was planning to be, to pursue um, a vocation as a Catholic priest. And I was very surprised that they were actually supportive too, even the non-Catholics. They, they had not ever thought of that, but, but they actually thought, oh, that's really good of you to, to, to try that out. 
So, yeah. so I, thankfully, I did have really good, really good backing once I got the courage to tell them. So, what was your next step after um, high school graduation? Like, what colleges were in the running for you for a, a Catholic theology program? Um, I knew I wanted to go to a Catholic college that had a really good, solid um, program in theology that I could learn more about my faith. So, I looked at two colleges. Um, some friends of ours encouraged me to look at Christendom College, which was closer. Um, at that time, it was very small. It had fewer than 100 students. Wow. But I visited there, um, and it was, it was very good, but, but very small. Um, and then I also visited Franciscan University of Steubenville. My dad had been to a summer conference there once and was very impressed with it. So he's the one that knew about that. So I visited there, and I was just very impressed with the real positive um, attitude and, 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 the, and the, the generally the, the good faith of, of the students there. And I'd heard great things about the teachers. And it had, it had, nevertheless, it was a small college, but it had a variety of programs and classes. So I ended up. Uh, applying, well, I, I then ended up applying to Steubenville. So you would be accepted there and enter college in 1990. How would you summarize your four years at Franciscan U? Um, they were wonderful years. Uh, I'd never been, again, to a Catholic school before. Um, I'd always been in public schools, which not, I mean, they were good public schools. They weren't really, you know, um, anything against faith. But in, in my public high school class, I remember just in, in my history and social studies classes, Whenever you'd read about the church or religion, it always was in a bit of a shadow, you mm-hmm. know, that the implications mm-hmm. seemed to be that if, if everyone just kind of kept their religion to their self, the world would be so much better. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have religious wars, you know, so that religion was sort of, to me, the implication was that religion is something you should just kind of keep to yourself, you know, and everyone will be better off that way. So, but when I got to Franciscan University, I realized that um, the faith was really alive, in, in very everyday practical ways and in the lives of the students and the faculty and the administration. So at, at Steubenville, I uh, joined a household, and that was a great experience of, of brotherhood, especially with, with other young men who didn't necessarily um, share everything in common with me in terms of my outlook. And some of them would not necessarily have been my friends, but yet they were all my brothers. And mm-hmm. we had commitments to pray together at a few times a week and eat together at certain times of the week and give thanks to the Lord for, for our week on Saturday afternoons. And and that was really, for me, um, kind of a microcosm of, of what religious life is. You know, you join a religious community, a religious order, um, not because of the people in it, because you don't choose the people in it. Mm-hmm. You know, you join the order because you share um, that same calling, that same hope with all of the other people in it. Um, and then you, you join it, and yet, and they become your brothers, or if you're a woman, they become your sisters, and 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 that community really provides a, a kind of a structure for you. It provides accountability, and it provides a real sense of of, of community right. uh, in, in in life. So I'd say being part of a household was was one of the very important parts of my life at at college. Did you get to take advantage of the um, study abroad program at Franciscan? Yes, yes, I was able to um, study abroad in, in their Austria program. It was actually the second semester they had the program in spring of 92. And that was an amazing um, opportunity as well to see um, that our faith is, is a worldwide faith. It's a universal faith. And I, I was able to go to one of my favorite um, uh, shrines. One of my favorite images of Our Lady is Our Lady of Częstochowa, the Black mm-hmm. Madonna. So I was able to go to Częstochowa on a on a on a 
mini pilgrimage with a few other friends and, and get to be there with the in, in the church and pray and and attend mass at the where where the icon is. So you you went to and graduated from a Franciscan college, but you're going to end up as a Dominican. So <laughs> something obviously happens in this uh, train of thought. But so um, help us to understand. Uh, then I guess after four years, you were thinking priesthood still sounds right to me. I think I'm still called in this direction. Right. Yeah. And that's to uh, to gloss over a lot of sort of internal back and forth and wondering and you know, am I called to marriage? Um, you know. And if, and if I'm called to priesthood, what kind? I'd always thought that um, once I decided to become priest, everything else would just kind of unfold right at my feet. But it's, of course, that's not true. There's so many possible paths to follow God in in, in, in a religious vocation or or in the priesthood. And so first, I I pursued a vocation to the to the diocesan priesthood. Mm-hmm. Um, I joined my home um, archdiocese of Baltimore's college candidate program, where you could take philosophy and theology during your undergrad um, college and have that count towards your um, your first two years of pre-theology in the seminary. So upon graduation, you'll go right into first theology. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was taking the academic portion of that, and um, and pr- another portion of that was you got a chance to to uh, um, to be with the seminarians, to to serve mass with the with the bishop, um, and even live in a parish in 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 the archdiocese. Um, for the summer, and I lived in, in a parish in East Baltimore for the summer, and um, and it was a great parish with three priests there. Um, but I I felt still more drawn to the kind of brotherhood, the community life I was starting to experience in my household in, in college, and and also when I got to Sudville, I discovered all kinds of um, religious orders. Um, I met friends who had belonged to, or, or who had who had tried out a vocation in a religious order or visited them. And and because of my prayer of the rosary, which has always and continued to be very important to me, I heard about a connection between St. Dominic and the rosary. So I, sure. I found two biographies of St. Dominic in the Franciscan bookstore of all places, um, <laughs> bought them and read them and was very impressed by St. Dominic's um, uh, fusion of of a community life with prayer in common and, and, and living, trying to live a simple life. Um, and with study, but also with the apostle of preaching for the salvation of souls. So in this uh, attraction to St. Dominic then was enough to say to you, I, I want to at least check out the Dominican order. Right, you know? right. So um, the next step would be the process of applying, and I know that's a, that's a lengthy process to apply, a lot of committees, approvals, autobiography, um, but you were accepted. Yep. Um, by the time you're in senior year at, at Franciscan, you're accepted into the Dominican uh, seminary. So that meant off to Cincinnati, you would go down to St. Gertrude's for novitiate. And you also, um, for the following year, uh, were a part of the exchange program they have sometimes in Dominican order. So you actually went out to the Western province in Oakland, California for right. a year out there. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of your formation would be at the House of Studies in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell me, which one for you of the vows, poverty, chastity, obedience, did you find most challenging um, in your years of formation, especially in the beginning years? I would say, um, without question, obedience. Many religious will tell you that. Uh, you might think that poverty or chastity was going to be more difficult, but obedience, just surrendering your will um, uh, every day to, to another person is, is, is a challenge. Um, just one story from Navishit, our novice master would, just, just to get us used to um, being part of a community and not just always 
calling our own shots, would would announce at breakfast that we're going on a on a day trip that day mm-hmm. somewhere. Um, he'd say, "Okay, brothers, we're going such and such place. You know, please uh, be at the van in in an hour." Uh, and one day, I I was in the kitchen putting dishes away, and I didn't hear him. So I was upstairs on the third floor where the novitiate is, and it seemed eerily quiet. <laughs> so I got very nervous. <laughs> so I didn't see any novices around. I ran over to the window, and there's my uh, fellow novice, uh, then brother Peter Fagan, now father Peter Fagan, the pastor in Zanesville. Uh, and I said, Brother Peter, what are you doing down there? And he said, waiting for you, Brother Steve. <laughs> so that was just a small example of, of, of how obedience really is, it's a surrender. But, but obedience is a great vow, too, because you realize it's, it's not all up to you. Sure. You're part of something much bigger. Sure. Um, was there any particular moment, Father Stephen, in your formation when you knew with certainty that this was the path that God had for you all along? You know, I always thought that I would it would just kind of click at some point, like you click your seatbelt and you know you're buckled in, mm-hmm. but it never really did click in that exact way. Um, it all kind of came to a, a head when I had to apply for solemn vows. In religious life, that's, that's you might say, the point of no return. Mm-hmm. That's when you're giving your life for life, you know, to God in the order. And you have to write your own letter in your own, you know, words and sign it with your own name of why you want to to be um, received for life into this religious order. And I'd always assumed it would just kind of click like a seatbelt, but it really didn't because I could still imagine myself doing something else, you know, pursuing another path, maybe, you know, pursuing having a family of my own, a different career. But I started to realize if I did pursue another path, I'd feel like a fish out of water because over those years, the Dominican life had just become part of me and I had become part of, of the order of preachers. Um, and I, and I realized how important, um, just the, uh, just being part of an order that, that prayed and, together and, and, and preached for the salvation of souls had become the, the ability to have serving God be the number one priority every day. Um, not just something you did as a volunteer part-time, but, but pretty much full-time. Um, all those things had become part of me so that after a lot of prayer and thought, I realized, yes, this is, this is what God wants me to do. So you finished your formation. You were ordained a Dominican priest in 2001. Mm-hmm. The following year, you uh, stayed at the House of Studies to complete your STL degree, and I know a lot of Dominican priests do do that. And then you were off to your assignments. I know Dominicans are missionary. They get moved around quite a bit in their province, and your assignments now have included St. Gertrude's Parish in Cincinnati, which probably was a, a great, an easy transition, I would think, to go from the House of Studies uh, down to St. Gertrude's because you have your novitiate, um, uh, what would they be called, friars? Yeah, or novices. Novices and our, and our there. Novitiate senior friars there. Right. Um, yeah, that was it was a really good transition from a very large community of friars to a medium-sized community of friars. It still um, has a lot of the aspects that I had in, in Washington at the House of Studies. All right, so you had a, a big, busy parish there. Um, then you had a campus ministry assignment after that at the University of Delaware, mm-hmm. the smaller community. Um, and then another university parish in Charlottesville, Virginia. And then very recently, very recently, you've come to the Diocese of Columbus, where you've assumed the role of pastor at St. Patrick's, your first time as a pastor. Yes. So how's that going for you? Uh, I call it like a happy whirlwind. There's always <laughs> new things I'm finding out. But I've got great people to to, to rely on. So, that I, so far, I've been landing on my feet. 
<laughs> well, if you come to us in a busy time, too, I know you came at the beginning of Advent, so that is just a busy time in general. But to assume a leadership role at a new parish, get to know everybody, get to know the systems, that's that's got to be a lot. But I know it's a great blessing. Our Dominicans always been a great blessing to our diocese, and so we uh, look forward to, to see what you are going to be doing in the next coming years. So kind of in our last maybe minute we have together, Father, and the, these, this time always goes so fast, what advice would you have for men today who might be considering, you know, religious life? I would say... Um, or the priesthood, the okay, diocesan priesthood. Sure thing. I'd say, number one, remember God is on your side. I used to think sometimes that discerning a vocation was like taking a big SAT test. You know, the proctor hands out the exam and, you know, depending on your score, you get into this or you don't get into that. Or, um, but, but really God is, is on your side. He wants you to find the way. If one of the nine, one of the hundred sheep wanders away, he'll pursue it. He'll he'll lead you back. So I'd say number one, God is on your side. Um, he will lead you. All you have to do is being willing, be willing to follow him. And then of course, to to pray, um, to give yourself um, to God in prayer, to have recourse to the to to the sacraments, especially mass and confession, as much as you can. Um, but again, realize that God wants you to find this. And when you find it, it might be challenging, but those challenges will be right for you. They'll make you better. Um, they'll make you happier. They'll make you more the person God has always created you to be. And that's true of every vocation. Every vocation has challenges. But the right vocation, the challenges are, are the right challenges. They'll make you more generous, more joyful, um, more truly yourself. That's a great way to put it. Well, we have been blessed by your presence, by your story today. Can you leave us with your blessing? Gladly. May the Lord bless all of you who are listening to this broadcast, especially those of you who are asking God to guide you in in your path, your vocation. May you know that he is always on your side, that he is always at your side, that he will never abandon you, that he is with you always, and that if you say, yes, Lord, I will follow you, he will lead you to the fullness of life and the fullness of joy. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thank you again, Father Stephen Alcott. And thank you for listening. This is Answering the Call on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. Catch us on Tuesdays and Sundays at 1230 for another episode. Have a wonderful week. God bless you. Answering the Call is a production of listener-supported St. Gabriel Catholic Radio AM820. Archives of Answering the Call with Elizabeth Ficcicelli are available at stgabrielradio.com. Sun.